Welcome to the Healthy You Gatherings podcast. We are told in John 16, that we will have troubles, and Jesus confirms that by saying, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Healthy You Gatherings allows us to come together and explore complex and difficult topics. Find benefit in learning from the one who's overcome the world, who understands that a biblical perspective will help us find peace amidst life's everyday issues. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Healthy You Gatherings. And today we are actually doing a part two of um, a gathering that we did back in 2022, uh, dealing with understanding depression. So this is understanding depression part two. Um, it's not necessary to listen to the first one, but I think you'll find it to be helpful. Um, some of what we're going to talk about today is a little bit of a refresher from uh, last year's podcast, uh, but we continue to move forward because depression um, continues to be a worldwide epidemic along with anxiety. Um, and so today, and uh, you have a PowerPoint presentation, so if you want to make sure that you have that open, I'll be um, referring to that. Uh, if you slide to the second slide, um, what what do we hope to learn today? There's, there's several things. One is to better understand the nature of depression. Each person's story is obviously unique. Um, there could be things that happen in people's lives. Uh, there could be deaths. There could be illnesses. Uh, there could be moving. Uh, there's lots of life stressors. And each person has a different pathology, but there are some commonalities that uh, research shows us. So we want to better understand the nature of depression, too. We want to become more familiar with the paths, and there are several possible paths that could have led to either moments of depression or an actual clinical diagnosis of depression. And then three, we want to become uh, better equipped to counter the depression because um, it's no good to have all this information if there's no way to help yourself uh, or to be helped. So uh, we have a working definition of depression on slide three, and that is simply a persistent feeling of sadness. We all get sad at different times, but if you are able to bounce back from that, then it's not persistent. And because it's not persistent, you wouldn't necessarily say that you're depressed. But if you feel like most days I feel more sad than happy or I just seem to feel like I have this cloud hanging over me all the time. Um, you know, some people will say it's a personality issue. If you've heard the word melancholy before, some people are melancholy in their in their nature. And while uh, people's personalities can certainly have an influence on this, um, if it's a persistent feeling, then we may be looking at depression. And so we talked about this uh, last year about the chemicals in the brain, and I called it getting your dose, your D-O-S-E. And there's four. We deal with dopamine, uh, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And I'm not going to go into huge detail, but basically oxytocin is the feeling of trust. Uh, it's called the cuddle drug. Um, it kind of motivates you to build and sustain relationships. Um, and we'll talk about how that starts at birth. 
Dopamine is the little hit that you get when you're motivated or you learn something or you are experiencing pleasure. Uh, Serotonin is the experience of social power or confidence in accepting yourself, um, how you interact with others. And then endorphins is um, this brief euphoria you get that helps you deal with pain, especially if you're involved in athletics. Some people call this the runner's high. Um, Other times... um, People have been known to have endorphin rushes when they are picking up cars to save their child. And then later, there was no physical uh, explanation for having that kind of strength. Uh, that's a little bit of the uh, the endorphins. And then, um, so that's pretty much slide uh, five and six as well. And so feel free to, to kind of look over that. that. What I want to get into mostly is... How does your brain get this dose naturally? Uh, Because it starts from birth. And so if you go to slide seven, um, birth, at birth, a woman's body creates oxytocin. And that helps her to have the strength to push and to give birth to a child. And so... What's so great about that and such a God thing is that when the child is born, because of this rush of oxytocin, there is a, a, a bond or a bind that already starts to occur between the um, mother and the child. It's almost like being um, swaddled uh, in oxytocin. And so in a perfect world, um, after birth, mom and child are able to start the connection. And so from the very beginning, uh, you have a nature component to your brain and a nurturing. So the body automatically creates oxytocin and then the nurturing of the connection between mom and child. Now, if things go the way they're supposed to, slide eight, then we have development. And so what happens is, is because of the oxytocin and because of the feeling of being safe, um, trust starts to develop between mom and child. And so what happens is, is the child securely attaches to the parent. And because of that, then the child has the ability to become motivated, to learn, and to enjoy things, thereby, thereby you're producing dopamine. So... If oxytocin is present in the mom and she gives birth and her and the child connect and they continue to stay connected, then the child starts to kind of explore and start to look at things and be willing to try to learn because they feel safe. They feel secure. They feel like that's the normal way to do things. And so first two to three years, mom and child are connected. And certainly whoever the caregiver is can can fill that role as well. And so what happens is, is that your brain is is functioning at a high level. It's, it's healthy. And because oxytocin and dopamine are being produced, then when the child starts to socialize and the child starts to get out into, say, a play date or starts, uh, you know, preschool, um, their ability to go out into the world and feel confident and be able to connect with other children is the serotonin piece of the drugs that are being produced in the brain. So... 
all three of those drugs are needed in the brain to continue this process of I feel safe, I feel secure, I feel valued, I'm willing to try new things, and it makes me feel good when I try those new things, right? I learn uh, I'm being successful because I still have a great connection with mom and dad, and then I go out into the world and I feel safe enough because of those relationships to start exploring other relationships. And so what's great about this is those three drugs just continue in a loop, And so the brain is healthy, the brain feels good, the body feels good, and you start to grow. Now, what happens when this doesn't happen? (laughs) Which if you go to slide 10, let's say at birth something goes wrong, the oxytocin isn't created by mom enough, it's been a hard uh, labor, Um, it could be that the child was unwanted, uh, or it's just been a difficult... um, pregnancy. It could be that there's a lot of uncertainty in the mom's life. And so what happens is the oxytocin doesn't produce as much. And so the birth still occurs, but because there's not enough oxytocin, mom and child are having a hard time connecting. It's not that there's not any relationship, but there's a lack of the oxytocin. It doesn't mean it's not being produced because it still is. But because a relationship isn't thriving, then the child, if you go to to, um, slide 11, because the relationship isn't as great as it could be, the child actually insecurely attaches to the parent. And here's where when I work with people a lot, I will say, hey, reflect on your relationship with mom and dad or whoever your primary caregivers were, almost to a T, People who are struggling with depression find that their relationship with mom, dad, primary caregiver, it wasn't necessarily that there was abuse or neglect, although there could be. Most of the time, it was just, there's just this sense or this feeling that I wasn't accepted. They didn't love me. I could have done better. I mean, it could be things like I had to be successful in order for them to love me. But there's always this sense of something was missing. And so what we're finding out is because the the attachment is insecure, there still is an attachment, but there's a little bit of insecurity there. Then what begins to happen is, is that the child is focusing more on the relationship being better with mom or dad or primary caregiver, and they're not looking outward. They're not motivated to do anything outside of mom. Uh, They don't learn uh, because their world is very small because they're still looking for the connection. They're still looking for a connection with, with mom, and they don't really enjoy things outside of mom. Now, what we've also seen is even if at the beginning, if the birth was rough or there wasn't a good connection, if mom is able to come around, if she's able to rally, if she's able to get through whatever was going on, maybe could have been in her personal life or, you know, something was going on with an illness, you can catch up. And that's something that I say almost ad nauseum here at Brookwood is, Get into a community. Get with some other folks because we all need to have a feeling that we are accepted. 
Now, we know that God accepts us, and some people will say, yes, but I don't feel it. So we want to have those feelings with God. We want it to be tangible, but a lot of that can happen and should happen with other people. So if a child is insecurely attached and they're not really motivated, they don't want to learn, and they're not finding a lot of pleasure outside of... Uh, trying to make this relationship with mom, dad, or caregiver uh, better, then guess what happens when it's time for them to have play dates or go to school? Well, they're not really sure of who they are, and so they struggle to make connections. And so, therefore, the serotonin uh, is impaired. It doesn't get produced in their brain. And so what you have now is... They just don't have a lot of confidence. And so sometimes you'll hear people say, well, he, he or she, they're just a shy kid. Again, some of this can be personality, but some of it could also be, let's look at these primary relationships and see if we can repair some of those so that we can get uh, some of this dopamine and the serotonin starting to flow through uh, through the brain. Now, what's interesting is, and you can go to slide 13, if oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin aren't being produced or it's a low level, what you find is, and this is this is a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, is, is that you find that folks have a pattern of isolation. And the thing they need the most is acceptance. But what they will do is they will, because of low self-esteem, low energy, low motivation, they will isolate. And the more you isolate, the more that your system basically goes into a survival mode. And I'm going to try not to be too technical here, but you have an autonomic nervous system. And one part of that is something called the sympathetic nervous system. And this is um, a part of your nervous system that helps protect you. And what it does is you go into, and you've probably heard this before, when danger comes, you go into what's called a fight or flight mode. Um, And so you see a snake on the ground, your nervous system automatically says there's danger here, I got to get away from it. How we deal with that danger is very different. Some will fight and some will run. Some people will just stop. They'll just freeze, depending on, again, circumstances, you know, the things in their childhood, how they've responded to it before. But here's what happens when we don't have the oxytocin and the dopamine and the serotonin flowing through our brain is the sympathetic nervous system kind of takes over. And because of that, people feel like they're constantly in a fight or flight mode. Folks who are anxious tend to be more, have more energy, be more upbeat, be looking more for the danger. Whereas those who are more depressed have more of a, what they call a freeze or faint response. But you're always in this uh, feeling of something's wrong. There's a danger. And it goes more than just, you know, the whole, do you see this glass is half empty or half full? 
It's more than just a perspective thing. It's not like you can use logic and say, oh, look, and then go, okay, yes, now it's I see what you're talking about. This is in, this has been there for a while. This is ingrained. And, and a lot of times people will say, well, what do you, what do you think about you know, using drugs to, to get over this? You know, and there are lots of antidepressants that um, are prescribed, and really what they're doing is they're trying to get these, these drugs to start flowing. Here's my perspective on that. It's okay if you are at a place where you are trying uh, to get better uh, to take something that will get you even so that you can process it. But let me be clear. If, if all you do is take an antidepressant and you never deal with the core issue of what is causing the depression, then you will always have to be on medicine. And here's the bad part. Your body learns to tolerate it. And then you need more and more in order to get the same feeling that you had before. And so I have met several people who have come to me for counseling who have said, the doctor has told me I'm at the maximum amount I can take and I still feel bad. So keep in mind that even if you are on an antidepressant, make sure that you are getting connected, whether you're getting connected through a counselor, a pastor, a group, or something to process what has been the root of the depression, okay? And so uh, as we get to the last part of what we're doing, I want to throw some um, some scriptures your way and uh, just ask you to meditate on these because I think they're very important um, and they can help us. These these can help us as we are maybe struggling with uh, depression or this persistent um, sadness. 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is actually Care Ministries' uh, vision for the year, says this, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared, and a new way of living has come into existence. And we are on slide 14. Two things there. If you're born again, God didn't just make you a better version of yourself, and he didn't just make you good. He made you new. And so if that's true, then that means even your brain can be new. Your mind can be new, because it says the old way of living has disappeared, and a new way of living has come into existence. Well, if the old way of living is being sad then we're asking God to, hey, help me to have joy. Help me to enjoy life. Help me to become this new creation. And I think sometimes we sell ourselves, and well, we're actually selling God short of what he could do in our lives. So that may be something for you to reflect on. Another is, uh, it's again, it's in Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 2.16. And it says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And I want you to reflect on that for a moment. When you're born again and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you get the mind of Christ. Well, guess what? When you have the mind of Christ, then that means you perceive and you process things the way that Christ processes them. Um, In the three and a half years of his ministry on earth, we didn't see a persistent state of sadness. We saw moments where he got frustrated, right? 
He had righteous indignation. He flipped the tables over in the temple. We also see him in the garden where he is um, so overcome with anguish because he knows what is to come. Um, So, of course, he was fully human, but he's also fully God. And so it's interesting, and I'll use this as the example of um, when Peter walks on water. As long as Peter's looking at Jesus, he's able to walk on the water. When he looks away, he sinks. It's interesting that Jesus basically says to him and the disciples, why did you doubt? Like, why, why are you, do you have such little faith? You know, they had been with him for a while. They had seen the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. He had healed people. He'd given back eyesight. You know, people uh, who were crippled could walk. And so if Jesus is saying to him, hey, you don't have to worry about this, then what's really awesome is that we have his mind. So that may be a prayer for you is, is Jesus, help me see this the way you see it. Help me process this the way that you're processing it. And realize that if this is in the scripture, it's true. It's not just me saying, hey, this is something that I thought up and you guys should um, believe it because I said it. This is something that's in the scripture. So we have the mind of Christ. So the ability to process what has happened to us through his mind can create us becoming a new creation. Uh, Another is Psalm 37, 23 through 30. 24, and it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by his hand. It's interesting that God will direct our steps. So maybe your step today was you decided to listen to this, right? And some people will say, Well, I've fallen. I would say, based on this scripture, you've stumbled but you haven't fallen. And even if you feel like you have fallen down, maybe this was your first step of getting back up. And it's interesting that the Lord is holding them. This is, a, this is again, another uh, tangible expression of God wanting to be our God and us be his people. And so meditate on that feeling of what does it feel like to know that he is holding me and you by our hand, with his hand. Uh, if you go to uh, slide 15, it's Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Um, you know, Brian Jones, our senior pastor, talked about this from uh, from stage last week, uh, saying, you know, that, hey, it's great to be in the house together, and we want to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And the community aspect of it can make a huge difference in our lives. Even if our family of origin didn't give us what we felt like we needed, and maybe there were some issues, right? And we're not making light of those issues, but what we are saying is, let's get into community with other believers and let's motivate one another. Let's pray for one another and let's continue to meet together because that is good for our brain. That's good for uh, the drugs in our brain to be created in in an amount that's going to help us as opposed to always being deficient. And then slide 16 is uh, Psalms 40, 
uh, verses 1 through 3, and it says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on solid ground, and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. And what I love about this is all the stuff that God did. It says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair and mud and mire. He set my feet on solid ground, and he steadied me. What did I have to do? I had to walk. It also says he gives me a new song to sing. So maybe be like, God, what is that song for me? could be one you hear on the radio, or it could be something that's just between you and him. And it's amazing how other people will put their trust in the Lord because they see a change in you. And maybe you got saved because you saw something in somebody else. But it's interesting. A lot of times when people are depressed, they'll talk about lack of energy, lack of motivation, lack of vision. Um, you know, it's just really hard um, to, to do things and, and everything seems like it's too much. But if you could look back at Psalm 40, basically what happened here is the psalmist cried and God heard the cry and lifted them out and put them on solid ground and steadied them. And then the person began to walk. That's what we need to do. And so really, that's the question that you could ask God today is, God, what's my step? And we, we say that a lot here uh, at Brookwood in general, but especially in care ministries. We say a lot like, hey, what step can we take together? Um, and so uh, if you look at slide 17, you'll see it's called Beyond Today. Uh, and you'll also hear this at the end that, you know, if you need something beyond what you heard today and you want to get connected, uh, our phone number is there, our email is there. And you can also go on to the uh, website and take a look at some of the events that are being uh, offered through CARE and elsewhere. And so uh, with that, I want to pray for you and um, I want to thank you for uh, listening today. And I, and I hope that this has been helpful uh, for you. And uh, we just look forward to what God will do in all of our lives. Father, we do thank you for just who you are. Lord, we thank you for your word and the promises that come from your word and the love that you have for us. And that even when we're down, Lord, or maybe we're just not even sure what's going on. Uh, that you hear us when we cry. And so, God, I pray that as we as we do reach out to you, Lord, that we will find you. And as we find you, I pray that your healing will begin to take place and that you will make it clear what we are to do and that you will do what only you can do. And we will certainly praise you and we will honor you and we will give you the glory that you deserve. And Jesus, none of this is possible without you. And so we offer up all of these prayers in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining today. Thanks again for listening to Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you would like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355 or email us at careministries at brookwoodchurch.org. To find out more about what Care Ministries offers, please visit www.brookwoodchurch.org care. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. 
Until next time, God bless.